I know Sunday was technically yesterday, but um, we're gonna go to church here today on a Monday. Locked on balls. We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna get uh, we're gonna get personal. We're gonna open up. And we're gonna say some tough things. Some things that we all need to hear. Uh, that was uh, really really bad. What transpired in Gainesville on Saturday night. Now the Volunteers have dug themselves in a hole. That and a whole lot more. Let's talk about it. It's a Monday. Locked on balls. You are locked on balls. Your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, good morning, everybody. Good Monday morning. This is Eric Kane, Locked On Balls. Appreciate you guys for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we're going to recap everything that was Tennessee at Florida. It's not going to be an enjoyable conversation, I know, because Tennessee fans tune into Locked On Balls to hear about their team. Uh, it's part of it sometimes. It was ugly. It was gross. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had a chance to go back and look at some stats and write some things. So I want to get down into the nitty-gritty on what went wrong, uh, Tennessee at Florida. Uh, Tennessee, of course, uh, I'm going to give you my my big thoughts, my big takeaways from uh, this football game. Going to go into scoring plays uh, for Tennessee. We can hear it courtesy of the Ball Radio Network. Some key stats as well from Pro Football Focus. Then I'm going to go ahead and uh, pull from Wednesday's show and go ahead and do it on this show. And then we're going to go over the regular stats and my grades for each position group. What does this mean moving forward? All that and more here on a Monday show. Uh, guys, I want to uh, let you know that this episode is brought to you in part by FanDuel uh, Sportsbook. It's official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. New customers can bet $5 and get 200 And bonus bets guaranteed by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On to go ahead and get started today. All right, so uh, where do we begin? There's there's a lot going on um, in this regard. So it, it's always a little overwhelming. I wasn't able to do a show yesterday because I was traveling back from the swamp, traveling back from Gainesville. Uh, so it's a little overwhelming here on a Monday. A whole lot to get into, but I think we'll start with uh, road woes. This team is not a very good road football team. Think back to the and, – and I understand there's a lot missing from – you know, still left over from this year's squad compared to last year's squad. But think back to Georgia, think back to South Carolina, and uh, think back to this past weekend at Florida. Um, not very good showings on the road. I know Vanderbilt was a road game sandwiched in between there, but I don't count Vanderbilt because Vanderbilt's not a very good opponent typically, and uh, it's a home game for the University of Tennessee. Um, a lot of procedural penalties. In fact, there were nine penalties on the offense in this football game. Uh, you had seven of those on the offensive line, two on a tight end, and so nine total penalties uh, on the offensive players. Well, only one penalty um, defensively. Tennessee was penalized ten times for you know almost a hundred yards or right at a hundred yards. So uh, not not very good in that regard. But Tennessee does not deal with the crowd noise. Uh, it was loud. It was very loud. I talked to some uh, you know Florida beat writers. And they said it hadn't been that loud in a while. It had been uh, Griffith Stadium. And so, um, you know, it was it was an environment. Ben Hill Griffith Stadium, excuse me. It was an environment. And, you know, that just kind of comes with playing on the road in the Southeastern Conference. But Tennessee didn't deal well with that at Georgia last year. Tennessee didn't deal well with that uh, at South Carolina. And Tennessee definitely didn't deal, you know, have success against that at Florida uh, this past weekend. It was loud. There were three possessions the last three possessions of the first half for the University of Tennessee each started behind the sticks. Well, two of them started behind the sticks, and one was a busted play. Let me explain. 
Um, the last three possessions of the first half, that first drive I'm referencing, false start. That second drive I'm referencing, false start. That third drive, the final drive of the first half, you go up there, have to burn a timeout. Have to burn a timeout, and then you come out of the timeout, and it's a busted play. What's going on there? So <laughs> you're starting at or behind the sticks, you know, in each of those last three drives, just, just three classic examples uh, that were not great. Offensive line in this football game was was not good. Uh, a horrible performance. And you look at the defensive stats from Florida, uh, just one sack and three TFLs, but I promise you, I promise you uh, it, was, it, it was tough sledding in that regard. Uh, Milton wasn't pressured an awful lot, but when he was, he was not accurate with the football. Um, his interception, that his first interception of his Tennessee career, I know a lot of people are going to say, eat it, eat it, eat it, take the sack, take the sack. Um, I haven't had a chance to go back and look at that play specifically yet, but a lot of people are saying, well, Ramel Keaton was open there for a bit. Squirrel White was open there back there with the dig for a little bit. At the end of the day, he got hit by a 420-pound nose tackle. He got hit, and that ball sailed. And sure, it's easy to say just take the sack, um, but if you see an open guy, you're trying to make a play, and he got hit. Um, I think a lot of the lateral, I think a lot of the sideline passing game, the quick, the quick hits, the screens, I think a lot of that's to overcompensate you know, for an offensive line that's struggling right now. And, and I understand, Joe, I'm not, I'll get to Joe Milton here in a moment. I'm not trying to say Joe Milton played a great game. Um, there's plenty of blame to go around. But I've seen a lot of talk about how the, this offense doesn't, you know, the, the play calling doesn't trust the quarterback right now, doesn't trust the quarterback. And I think there's some to that. But I think more so than anything, it's you're trying to give your offense the benefit of the doubt and trying to set, set yourself up in, in a, as best position as you can with an offensive line that just is struggling, struggling big time right now. Um, and I think you saw that, um, you know, full head steam down there in Florida this past weekend. Uh, defense, goodness gracious, opening play of the opening series of the, the game. You're on the field for 14 plays, give up 46 yards, seven minutes off the clock, but you make a third down stand. And even better, the cherry on top, Florida misses the, uh, the field goal. So you got out of there, giving up no points. Great job. Tennessee marches down, responds, scores. Hey, what a start. I'll get to the start here in a moment, but what a start. From there on, you give up four. You give up touchdowns on four straight possessions. You allow Florida. <laughs> you allow Florida to convert on seven of eight third downs in the first half. You bump Trevor Etienne and don't wrap up Kamal Haddon, and it's off to the races. Sixty-two yards. Florida has scored for the first time in this football game, and it really got them going. After you know you, you had that pass to Ramel Keaton. Uh, defense was not great. Tackling was not great. I'll get into more specific uh, stats in terms of some missed tackles. Uh, here in a moment not great defensively um you had a sack you got home one time but you should have impressed on the passer just a little bit more made things a little bit more difficult for him in the first half when Graham Mertz who I do not think is a good quarterback and Florida who I do who I do not think is a good team and a good offense you know was moving down the field methodically with ease uh, very very disappointing very disappointing and at the end of the day you had 16 points uh, Joe Milton was not the biggest issue in this football game, but but here's what I'll say on that. And, and Austin Price said this to me in the in the Volquest mini pod after the game, and it and I could I can't agree I can't agree more with what he said when I sit here and think about this because you can sit here and say, well, this happened, this happened, this happened. Joe could have been better, but it wasn't Joe's fault here. It wasn't Joe's fault here? And I wholeheartedly believe that. I do not think that Joe Milton was the biggest issue in this football game. But at the end of the day, you have. Mr. NIL Nico Iamaliava sitting on the bench, and people are saying people are going to be clamoring from Nico. The first incompletion of the season, people are going to be clamoring from Nico, and that was that was apparent against Virginia. 
and it still is, has made matters worse against Austin P. and, of course, on the road against Florida. But at the end of the day, I don't care whose fault it is. You have seven penalties on your offensive line, five procedural penalties, okay? You score 16 points. It's not good enough. And I'm not saying, I'm not on this podcast right now saying Joe Milton needs to be benched. I am not saying that. I'm not sitting here saying Nico Iamaliava needs to start. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is, as a unit, 16 points is not good enough. Awesome Price said that, and I couldn't agree more. At the end of the day, we can sit here and go, go debate here, debate here, said if this happened, if this happened. At the end of the day, 16 points in a Southeastern Conference football game is not good enough. And that's where you are. And a lot of that is reflected on the starting quarterback. So that's kind of where I'll sit there. Um, I do not think a quarterback change is going to happen. Um, I'm not saying I'd be for it at all or anything, but I, I do not think it's happening right now. But you've got to improve because 16 points in a Southeastern Conference football game, that is that is not great. That is not great whatsoever. We'll continue to get more into this. I, there were some key players who didn't play in this football game. I'll comment on that. I'll talk more on penalties. We'll hear from the scoring plays. All that is coming up and more right here on Locked on Balls. We continue on here with a Monday show. Hey, guys, this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever find that just as you're trying to fall asleep, your brain suddenly won't stop talking to you, right? Do your thoughts just start racing right before bed or at any uh, other important moments throughout the day? Therapy gives you a place to do uh, just that, where you can talk it out, where you can you know, go through these and sort these things out. So you can get out of your negative thought cycles and find some mental and emotional peace. It's helpful for learning, this being therapy, it's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. No, it can be for you and it can be for me. If you're, think you're, if you're thinking about starting therapy, I encourage you to give BetterHelp a try today. It's entirely online, uh, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suitable to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switching therapists at any time, you can do that for no additional cost whatsoever. Get a break from your thoughts with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnCollege today, and you're going to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash locked on college uh, for help at BetterHelp. Get a break from your thoughts today with BetterHelp. Hey guys, welcome back into your Monday edition of Locked on Vols. Tennessee falls to Florida by a final score of 29 to 16. The streak, unfortunately, continues on. Tennessee has still not won in the Swamp since 2003. Uh, Tennessee falls uh, significantly in the AP poll uh, down to 23, I believe. I got on the bottom ticker here on YouTube. And the coaches poll to number 20, I believe. Tennessee still a top 25 team. We'll have UTSA at home this week. And then uh, we'll have South Carolina off week, A&M at home. Then he'll hit the road. And th that's the disappointing thing about it is, you know, I kind of let off the show about road woes continue. Tennessee's not being a good road football team here lately. And you're not going to get an opportunity to change that narrative until the third Saturday in October. I mean, it's going to be a long time from now, right? Um, so hopefully you can try to work on yourself and get better and, and fix some things all at Neyland Stadium because you're going to be there for uh, the foreseeable future. Uh, let's go ahead and talk about some players who did not play in this football game. And I know a lot of you guys have some questions. First and foremost, Gerald Mincy. He did uh, compete in the field goal PAT team, but he did not play any on offense. Josh Hoppel said asked the after the game when he was asked about it that it's a decision that they made. Um, you know, it, it was later reported. You know, we mentioned it on the board a little bit after the game that we believe that there was an internal deal, kind of a one-game 
uh, type situation. Um, but it was later reported uh, by multiple outlets on Sunday afternoon, Rocky Top Insider Knox News, that um, he was uh, cited for a simple possession. And, um, you know, we, we knew ab- about the stomp and we knew that there was a situation there. But, you know, as a, as a reporter, you got to get all the facts and you got to, you know, you got to get it confirmed and everything. And a lot of people were, you know, drunk, emotional, Tennessee losing. I get all that. But, you know, just try, trying to, you know, shout at the world and be all be all mad and pissed off on Saturday night and just say, well, why are we just now hearing about this now? Yada, yada. Well, uh, you know, there's this thing called sourcing. And, um, you know, it's not about being first, it's about being correct. So um, I didn't know until the report came out Sunday afternoon that he was cited on simple possession. Uh, so, you know, I knew that, you know, we knew at, at VolQuest that there was a situation right there. But essentially, he was the suspension looked like he was not going to be playing offense. And I don't think if he played offense that Tennessee uh, would have um, would have won that football game. There was a lot of issues there. But um, it looks like Gerald Mincy's your best right tackle. And J.J. Crawford struggled in that football game. Of course, he wasn't the only one. I think this is just a minor deal, but still, Gerald Mincy, you want him back in there. He didn't play any offense. Uh, Danico Slaughter was stressed and uh, you know on the sideline all game long. Didn't play a snap, and, and I asked somebody immediately after the game when I went down there on the field, uh, and and I was told that uh, it was he was going to be a game time decision. He was battling an injury, um, and uh, obviously he didn't go. So uh, the fact that he was a game time decision and he made the trip and he was dressed in full and he was on the sideline leads me to believe this is not a serious injury, but. That's another one of those things that you didn't know about, and that that happens sometimes. Um, you have good sources and everything, but you show up for the game, and then you see somebody not playing, and then you have to figure out why what's going on. Well, that was Danico Slaughter, and then Dylan Sampson and Joshua Josephs, running back and defensive lineman, just didn't play, and I haven't heard anything about them. And you know, people drunk, emotional, uh, shout at the world, all that type of stuff. Again, that's my favorite you know phrase to describe a you know an atmosphere sometimes after a uh, an online atmosphere after a loss, and that's fair. Again, uh, you can be frustrated all you want. I mean, that was a horrible performance. Uh, but, you know, people saying, oh, all these suspensions would be nice if we knew about it, all these suspensions. Um, I don't I don't know anything about Joshua Josephs or Dylan Sampson. They just didn't play in this football game. I mean, it's apparent that Jalen Wright is RB1, and, and the, the carries reflected that, and that's good to see. Um, the staff feels better about Jabari Small right now, especially on the road in the swamp and a place like that. And, I just don't think Dylan Sampson got some carries. Now, something might come out later, and we might find out more information, but Dylan Sampson didn't play, and Joshua Josephs didn't play. That's the that's more the confusing one, because Joshua Josephs, I mean, he's a part of a 12-man rotation up front. So a lot of James Pierce. I uh, saw Roman Harrison a ton. Not a whole lot of Joshua, not Joshua Josephs. And so that's more of the kind of the head-scratcher thing right there, but um, that was notable from the game. Uh, I mentioned penalties. Ten penalties. Uh, Tennessee was... Penalized 10 times for 79 yards in this football game. Um, nine of those penalties came on offense. One came on defense. Five false starts. Two holdings. Um, two flags on the tight end. McCallum Castles, I believe one was holding and one was a personal foul, which, I mean, the blindside block, I mean, it. it's annoying because it's like you can't touch anybody anymore. I mean, by the rule, okay. I mean, just leave with your hands. Just leave with your hands. You can even tell that he was letting up, too. But, I mean, it's like you can't touch anybody in football anymore. It's so ridiculous. Um, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. I, I, You know, player safety, and when I make this case, people are like, oh, you don't care about player safety, CTE. Shut up. Um, you, it's you know, football. You can't can't really touch anybody anymore. And then, what's frustrating, again, is McCallum Castle, you can tell he's letting up. Uh, but he but he makes a block, springs a big play, and, and gets called back. That's frustrating. Got to leave with your hands. Just got to leave with your hands. And then he had a roughing the passer call on Elijah Herring. 
which uh, I went back and watched the replay in real time. He barely hit somebody, does hit him. It's just a stupid play. Um, you'll learn from that. You just know not to do that. Uh, just a young young player, um, and, and he'll learn from that. But that, that I think that was the right call there. Uh, let's hear from the scoring plays uh, in this football game. Not a whole lot for Tennessee. We are not going to hear the scoring plays for Florida. Um, but quickly, um, it was it was a Florida drive where you march 14 plays down the field, 46 yards. You take off seven minutes off the clock. Graham Mertz, a couple shuffle passes there to get rolling, going to the playmaker, Trey Eugene, or Eugene Wilson the third. Things are looking good for Florida, but a third down stand. Coming out there for a field goal, you miss it, and Tennessee defense comes up strong. You couldn't script the start any better. Why? Well, because the offense goes right down the field, scores the opening touchdown on six plays, 71-yard drive, drive, two minutes and one second off the clock. Joe Milton was four for four on the drive, had a long completion to squirrel wide as well, and he caps the drive by finding Ramel Keaton in the end zone for the 11-yard strike. Jalen Wright to the left of Joe Milton. Milton back to throw, fires for the end zone. That pass to Keaton is going to be caught. Touchdown, Tennessee. That's what a his- throw by Milton to Ramel Keaton. They went after Jason Marshall, the cornerback on this near side, and Joe Milton right on target with his fifth touchdown of the season. And Ramel Keaton gets his second touchdown grab, and that did not take long for Tennessee to go out in front six to nothing. Didn't take long at all. Bob Kessling of All Radio Network. I've written permission to use these clips on my podcast. Thanks, as always, to the Ball Radio Network. Um, didn't have to wait long. No, no, no sirree. Didn't have to wait long. That was a great start. Couldn't script the start better than that. Unfortunately, though, that's as good as it's going to get for the Volunteers because the defense allowed four straight touchdowns to be scored for Florida as Florida jumped down, scored 26 points unanswered at that point in the time into the third quarter and led 26-7. to Tennessee did get on the board. A nice 42-yard field goal from Charles Campbell as the drive went 46 yards on 14 plays, five minutes off the clock or 526 off the clock. Tennessee was able to get something uh, with uh, nine minutes and 31 seconds left in the third quarter to make the score 26 to 10. Waiting for the snap. There it is, kick on the way, and that kick is spinning and will be good. So Tennessee does get something, goes back out there, makes a nice little third down stop. Karak Garland jumps offside. That's a little frustrating. Actually, I think that was a later in the fourth quarter. Uh, but another missed opportunity when you're shooting yourself in the foot. Florida does get a field goal to make it 29 to 10. Tennessee battles back, finds the end zone again. A 55-yard pass down the sideline from Joe Milton to Brew McCoy. Second down and five. Milton quickly gets the snap. Looks, fires it long to Brew McCoy at the 10. He's got it. Touchdown, Tennessee. 55 yards, Brew McCoy on the fly pattern down the near sideline, and Joe Milton on a perfect strike. Laid it to him, he caught it at the five and went in for a score. Yeah, you know, Tennessee didn't take a whole lot of shots in this one. Uh, You know, just missed Dante Thornton, went back to Dante Thornton on third down on that same drive in the third quarter, and then later found this one to uh, Brew McCoy. But again, Tennessee didn't take too many shots down the field. Again, a lot of sideways passes, a lot of screens and all that. Um, and, and I thought Tennessee looked pretty good throwing the football down the field. And of course, that's Brew McCoy's first touchdown of uh, the season. And it became and it came on the 55-yard variety from uh, Joe Milton. I do want to go over a couple of key stats real quick before we get into some regular stats and canter grades. Um, I posted this over at VolQuest.com this morning. I'll look at some of the pro football focus grades. 
I'm not huge in the grades. You guys know that, but um, I will say this five uh, of Tennessee's six lowest graded defenders, five of five of those came from the defensive backfield. Um, Tennessee also didn't get a whole lot of pressure on Florida's quarterback, Graham Mertz. Um, he, see, sacked him once, had one of the QB, uh, QB hits or hurry. Mertz was kept clean on 84.8% of his dropbacks. That is a number that is entirely, entirely too high. Um, and, and you gotta, you gotta help your back end out a little bit more that front line. You really do. I was excited to see what this front line would do against Florida and SEC offensive line. And, and again, just like on the offensive side, it just wasn't good enough on the line of scrimmage on Saturday. But some individual stats for these defensive back. McCullough, targeted twice, gave up one reception, 12 yards. Walker, according to Pro Football Focus, was not targeted once. McDonald, targeted once, excuse me, targeted four times, gave up four receptions, 43 yards, and a touchdown. Not a very good stat line. Kamal Haddon was targeted twice, gave up one reception for 11 yards. Gabe Judy Lolly, who got the start in place at Danico Slaughter, played a ton of snaps. Targeted four times, three receptions, 15 yards. Brandon Turnage, if I'm not mistaken, this was on third down as well. Targeted once, gave up one reception for five yards, and I believe that was on a critical third down where he was in position. He just didn't make the play. Uh, Ricky Gibson, who got in there and saw a lot of run, that was good to see. Opportunity with a cornerback out, um, was according to Pro Football Focus, was not targeted, so therefore he didn't give up a reception. And if I'm Florida, like, what are you doing? If you see a true freshman out there at corner, why aren't you throwing at him? Um, and then Walker or Warren Burrell targeted once, gave up one reception and 18 yards. Now, again, I use pro football focus for stats like that. And this next stat, missed tackles, missed tackles. Tennessee missed 11 tackles on the night. Already two games in three games this year, twice Tennessee has missed 10 plus tackles. Tennessee missed 11 tackles against Florida. 10 of those 11 missed tackles came from the secondary. Came from the secondary. Um, believe that I had it written down somewhere. Sorry. Um, hadn't had four missed tackles or three missed tackles. Tamiri McDonald had three missed tackles. Uh, and, and a couple more had some missed tackles. But just not great. <laughs> just not great when you have ten missed tackles from your secondary. So not a very good day for the Tennessee secondary um, at all. All right. Let's get into some more some stats. I'll give you my caner grades, what this means moving forward. Don't forget, Twitter Tuesday is tomorrow. Any questions, any comments, any concerns? I know you guys have a lot. I've already got a lot bookmarked and a lot saved. Everydayers, when you get to take over the show, that is tomorrow. So don't forget to get in your Twitter Tuesday questions for the Mailbag Show. That is coming up tomorrow. All right, guys, when we come back again, I'll give you my grades on each of the Tennessee position groups. Uh, spoiler, it's not going to be that great, but you guys probably had an idea of that because you watched the game just like I did. Now it's time for your Game Changer of the Week. It's brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Much like um, this week, let's go let's go Jackson Ross. And again, it's not great because uh, whenever you're highlighting your punter, you know things are not great. But Jackson Ross had, had quite the day, all right? You look at punting the football, we were worried about him after the uh, Virginia game. Tennessee had... Tennessee had three punts for 120 yards. He averaged 40 yards per punt, which isn't horrible. Inside the 20, he put two of those, placed two of those inside the 20. Um, I really like what I've seen from Jackson Ross following the first game against Virginia. But just like Jackson Ross, he's the game uh, game changer of the week. Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the game in non-alcoholic beer. Uh, they make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good. 
Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the game for non-alcoholic beer. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, as I just mentioned. Full, full of flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. Their brews are great-tasting. They're award-winning. They beat out full-strength beers in global competitions. They brew over 50 styles of craft, non-alcoholic beer, including IPAs, golden, sours, and a whole lot more. They're fit for all-timers, so you can drink them anytime, anywhere, and make any activity even more enjoyable, like watching the big game or at your kids' games, tackling some work, or working out. No hangovers ever. That's one of the beautiful things about uh, Athletic Brewing Company. So today, uh, first-time customers can use this code Locked On, and you're going to get 15% off your first online order. That's Locked On at checkout, 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer, exclusions and conditions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. All right, guys and gals, the final segment left here this Monday edition of the show. We'll continue to look back at this uh, game against Florida, what this means moving forward. Um... You know, who we could see potentially play more football on Saturday, what we need to see from Tennessee against UTSA, all that and more as the week goes on. Um, wasn't a fun one to watch, not not really a fun one to kind of recap uh, because Tennessee got his tail whipped. Tennessee just got his tail whipped, and I, I honestly didn't see it coming. Um, I just, I mean, I'm not trying to discredit Florida or trying to, you know, say Florida is, you know, horrible, but I, I don't think that this is a good Florida football team. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll maintain that. I, I don't think it's a good Florida football team. But you made them look good, Tennessee. Um, and, and what's that say? You know, what's that say moving forward? It's 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 not it's not great. Uh, things have got to change, and things have got to change in a hurry. Josh Heupel has scored a combined thirty points in Gainesville as Tennessee's head coach. Fourteen points in twenty twenty one, sixteen points in twenty twenty three. That is not a stat that you want to hang your hat on. Having said all that, Tennessee still outgained Florida in this football game. 393 yards to 349 yards, still well below what where Tennessee should be in terms of total offensive yards uh, per game. Only 63 uh, plays ran in this football game. It was a horrible second quarter, and I've got a stat hit sheet here pulled up from what it looked like in the second quarter. Let's see here. The second quarter, Tennessee was outscored 20 to nothing in the second quarter. Florida outgained Tennessee 122 yards to 27 yards. Florida threw for 72 yards. Tennessee threw for three yards. Tennessee gained one first down. Florida gained eight first downs. Again, second quarter stats only. Florida ran 21 plays. Tennessee ran 11 plays. Florida possessed the football for 10 minutes and 57 seconds. Tennessee possessed the football for four minutes and three seconds. That was all the second quarter uh, last night, a second quarter that was just not great for the University of Tennessee. Tennessee only ran 63 offensive plays. That is well below where it needs to be. Florida ran 67. Uh, rushing yards, Tennessee only 106 rushing yards on the day, averaging 3.7 yards per carry. That is not good. Uh, Florida ran for 183 yards. 172 of those came from one guy, averaging 4.3 yards per pop. Tennessee threw for 287 yards. Florida threw for 166 yards. Penalties, I mentioned it earlier. 10 penalties for 79 yards. Think about games where Tennessee lost, especially if you go all the way back to 2021. Tennessee was penalized 10 times for over 100 yards against Pitt. Tennessee was penalized 10 times for over 100 yards against Florida in 2021. Not 100 yards in penalties, but you were penalized 10 times for nearly 80 yards. Those themes here, you're penalized a lot, you're losing the football game. Where Meanwhile, Florida was only penalized five times for 30 yards. Um, possession time. 
Again, Tennessee was dominating time of possession. You're never going to win that time of possession, but you don't want to be dominated like this. 37 minutes and 28 seconds for Florida. 22 minutes and 28 seconds for the University of Tennessee. Third down conversion, still not great. A little bit better, but not great. Tennessee was 8 of 15 on third downs. Uh, Florida was 7 of 14 on third downs. It did not convert a third down in the second half, which meant in the first half, though, Florida converted on seven of eight third down opportunities. Uh, not great. Red zone. Tennessee was strong against Virginia in the red zone in terms of entering the red zone, how many touchdowns you got in the red zone. Tennessee took a step back in that regard last week, and then again this week, two red zone trips, only one touchdown for the University of Tennessee, and Florida did score a touchdown off a turnover from Joe Milton. We kind of discussed that uh uh, that that interception earlier in segment number one, but they did go down and take advantage of that and score a touchdown. Uh, Joe Milton threw for 57% or completed 59% of his passes, 20 for 34, 287 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. I thought his throw to Jalen Rod on the opening possession of the game was a simple throw, but a really, really good throw on third down, get, leading him to the sticks. I thought his throw to um, Squirrel White was good because why? Well, he was wide open. He was wide open, and you connected on it. <laughs> Remember, sometimes some of the hardest throws, some of the hardest catches, as uh, Brew McCoy said, is when everybody is wide open. Thought his throw to uh, Brew was good. Thought he had a great throw to Dante Thornton later in the football game. Thought he had a good throw to Brew McCoy, of course. Um, you know, trying to take some shots there towards the end zone, uh, towards the end, only 59% on, uh, on, on the day. Jalen Wright, 16 carries for 63 yards. Averaging 3.9 yards per carry. He had averaged over nine yards a pop in each of the first two games. Of course, Tennessee, I thought, ran the football really effectively in the third quarter. I thought he was scratching, clawing, biting, straining. Um, but, you know, you were down. You were down so much. And I thought the new clock rule really, really was showing up in the first half yesterday. Those two drives in the first half for Florida that went over seven minutes. Felt like Tennessee barely had any time with the football. You coupled that with procedural penalties. It was just a nightmare offensively, you know, for Tennessee in the first half. Defensively, too, especially the second quarter. Uh, Jabari Small carried the ball seven times for 35 yards. So you went 16 carries for Wright, seven carries for Small, and those are the only two running backs that play in the football game. Brew McCoy led the receivers 94 yards and a reception off a team-high eight targets. Jalen Wright had four receptions for 21 yards, a lot of that out of the backfield. Uh, Squirrel White, five targets, three receptions, 68 yards, a long reception on drive number one of the football game. Dante Thornton finally got involved, four targets, three receptions, 53 yards. He had a long of 43 there in the second half. I've mentioned that one a couple of times. And then he had Ramel Keaton targeted seven times, uh, four receptions, or three receptions, one of those a touchdown. And uh, he had a long of 14 as well in this football game. But still defensively, just not great. Trevor Etienne. 23 carries, 172 yards. He had that long one of 62 yards where Kamal Haddon just bumped him. So pathetic. So pathetic. Graham Mertz looked like an all-star. How many times have we said that about a, an opposing quarterback? Uh, Graham Mertz is not a good quarterback, but 19-24, 79% completion. You can't really argue with that. And that was that was a good game for Graham Mertz. And I thought Florida did a good job of getting him active uh, with those shuffle passes to Eugene Wilson. Those should go down as rushes, but they're considered passes. And he would just go, and that kind of got the confidence flowing for Mertz a little bit. Nice little easy passes to, you know, bump up that stat line as well. Uh, defensively, you had uh, for Tennessee only one sack, seven TFLs. That sack came from Bryson Eason. Eight tackles for Aaron Beasley. He cleaned some things up. He had a TFL 
see here, a TFL for Gabe Lolly, a TFL for Jalen McCullough, two TFLs for James Pierce. Um, Tennessee's offensive line, which was not good in this football game, uh, gave up one sack and allowed only three TFLs. It felt like it was much worse than that. But we'll dive into more of that on Pro Football Focus uh, Wednesday. I know I went into a little bit of that here today, but we'll look more of the offensive line and uh, tell you exactly who did what and how clean Joe was on what percentage of dropbacks and all that. Again, a lot of information here on a Monday always is when I don't get a chance to do a postcast or a Sunday podcast. Sorry, guys, I was on the road uh, getting back to Knoxville Sunday nights and trying to get all this stuff done. Uh, not great. Uh, we'll get into more of what this means. Uh, please ask me. Let's let's go to church again tomorrow. Uh, let's talk about it. What's this mean? Can Tennessee still win eight games? Or can Tennessee still win nine games? Is it gone down to eight games now? What does this mean? Um, you know, how long is the leash for a quarterback? Um, when can we see some more youth in the secondary? Uh, we'd love to talk about all that type of stuff. But bottom line, Tennessee's got to come back home and get better. You need to beat UTSA that's struggling. Thought that was going to be more of a challenging uh, non um, you know, conference game, but turns out they're kind of struggling as well. Need to get right against UTSA. And then you got South Carolina coming to town that is playing with a lot of confidence right now despite the loss yesterday, but you know, took it to Georgia and a quarterback that might be playing better than anybody else in the Southeastern Conference, albeit it is a down conference this year. But uh, that's what we have to look forward to. But give me in your questions, your comments, your concerns, Twitter Tuesday. It's with you guys, you everydayers, get to take over the show. Appreciate you guys for being here. Uh, please come back tomorrow. We will be in better spirits. And uh, thank you so much, guys. Locked on Vols. Win or lose, we're here for you five days a week on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, everybody.